Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Jersey retirement finally, it's been two decades in the making really, Mahmoud abdul Rauf. his jersey will be hanging in the rafters of the PMAC. Dale Brown and I sat down earlier. We will play that interview for you. Also, biggest challengers to the Saints in the NFC. We've been talking about that the first hour. That'll continue here to the second hour, and that's our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Who is their biggest challenger in the NFC? Rams, Falcons, Eagles, Vikings, somebody else you tell us. Cast your vote, www.com, radio.com app. We'll bring on in Vinny Iyer to help us sort this out right now. NFL writer for the Sporting News, friend of the program, at Vinny Iyer on Twitter. Vinny, it's been a little bit. How's your summer been, man? Uh, great. Uh, just getting ready, though, for the swing of things to begin here. And all teams will be opening training camp by the end of this week. So it's real, the 2019 season, uh, just about six weeks away. Yeah, it's. It's. I'm kind of having one of those moments, Vinny, you know, when you were in school and you had the summer break and then you're like, oh, man, uh, the, the break's over. we got to get back to school. I've been having that moment here the last couple of days. I don't, I don't know what to, quite to do. <laughs> Well, it'll be here soon enough, and then we'll be, uh, can we get these preseason games over with? And then, uh, yeah, that, that's the thing is now you get to this point, and you're actually seeing football, but it's not quite real, so you got to wait a little bit longer for the stretch run there. Can you help us sort out, first of all, that, that Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll? Saints are certainly in the mix in the NFC. Who's at the top of that list in the NFC in your mind? Well, I think you have to start with last year's team. You start with the NFC champion Rams. Then you look the two teams of the East that you definitely worry about because the Cowboys certainly made a statement against the Saints last year. The Eagles uh, made them sweat a little bit as well. So those are two teams that you worry about immediately. I think the Packers could be in a position to rebound here. The Bears carrying over their momentum from last year. The Vikings could also be a factor. I think the NFC... When you look at it, there are more teams that could win the NFC title than uh, teams in the AFC that can do the same. So it's pretty deep. It's pretty top-heavy. And I think I pretty much list every team. You could throw out some outliers like 49ers or Falcons, Panthers. There's a lot of teams with quite a bit of talent. And that's why these close games, you look at it last year, a lot of teams started hot, cooled off, a lot of close games where uh, one possession changed the course of the entire NFC, and that's what you might see again this season. Yeah, I know a couple of months ago after the draft, you did your power rankings, and it was interesting because I guess the maybe at least at the top of each conference, previously the last few years, this was uh, the, the NFC dominating most of these power rankings lists. And the list that you had over at the Sporting News, um, you actually had, what, three, uh, actually four out of the top six were over in the AFC. So you expect the AFC, at least at the top, Vinny, to be as good or better than the NFC? Well, I think the NFC has more options spread out overall, and I think the AFC is concentrated with a lot of, solid teams and I think you look uh, the four that you start with the Chiefs the Patriots and the Colts uh, there's high expectations for them and there should be after the way they finished last season so you, you look at those teams and then uh, who's going to come out of the north and be a factor uh, the Chargers certainly still going to be strong behind the Chiefs but uh, 
we know there's a lot of buzz about the Browns as well. So I want, I want to see how that division kind of plays out. But Cleveland breaking through to maybe be in the mix with Indianapolis, Kansas City, New England, uh, Los Angeles, it would be very weird. But uh, I think it would not surprise anyone at this point, given how much talent Cleveland has. Yeah, how, how weird would it be on a Browns-Colts championship game? It would just be odd, AFC championship game. We're talking to Vinny Iyer, NFL writer for the Sporting News. Speaking of the Browns, we did a segment on Friday about the most overhyped offseason storylines, and I had the Browns in there for me because, Vinny, uh, I know all the talent is there. It's just really, really tough for me to buy the Browns right now, and everybody else is. Can you get me on the bandwagon? Well, I think you look at their talent. I think we're focused a lot on their offense, and it makes a lot of sense because Baker Mayfield is the face of the franchise. You get Odell Beckham Jr. there. You had uh, Jarvis Landry last year, Nick Chubb. So you know this team could put up a lot of points. But I look over the defensive side and some of the guys they have there, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon. Dude, that's a good place to start up front with your defense. And uh, Steve Wilkes, who did such a good job in Carolina, didn't really work out for him in Arizona, but I think that was a fortunate thing for the Browns to get a coordinator of that caliber to watch over their defense, a lot of talent there. So this team, when you look at it, it is loaded at almost every position. So I think the hype is real. Now I think the expectations are also real. I don't think this team can slide by 7-9, 6-10, and marked improvement there. It has to be pushing for this division or I think now people consider it disappointment. That's a strange thing to think about, but that's how good this team showed it could be down the stretch last season. Yeah, preseason favorites in the AFC North. You mentioned the Colts a couple of minutes ago. Is this finally a legitimate title contender around Andrew Luck? Because they've been good. They made some playoff runs, but I don't think they entered a season, any of those seasons with Andrew Luck as a legitimate title contender. Is this a year? Well, you look at it, you start with the offensive line. This is maybe the best line in football from top to bottom in terms of pass protection and run blocking. Andrew Luck used to be a pinata. Last year, he was sacked fewer than any quarterback in the league, I think 18 or 19 times. And that seems so far removed from when he came in the league, just took all the beatings. And that, a lot of that goes to Frank Reich, an offense that tailored to getting the ball out quickly. This guy processes information very fast. And I think we realized uh, that we might have forgotten about him. And part of it was the, obviously the shoulder injury, but we forgot what level and what trajectory this quarterback was at and where he started in coming to the league in 2012. So uh, I think he showed you with a little bit of help, keep him upright, give him a little bit of running game, have some guys like uh, Darius Leonard that can fly around and make some plays on defense. He's not alone. When he came to the league, he was really carrying the Colts to where they are. Now they're kind of helping him come along to where he needs to be. That was a fun team to watch last year. Can't wait to watch them again this season. Talking to Vinny Iyer, NFL writer for the Sporting News. Let's swing on back over to the NFC South. I am, uh, you know, as a, as a Saints onlooker, I am very concerned in this division about the Atlanta Falcons. And a lot of our listeners here in New Orleans, when you hear Falcons, oh, they're not going to be good. They didn't make the playoffs last year. There's, there might be the last year for Dan Quinn. I don't think that at all. I think when they're healthy here, Vinny, I am legitimately concerned about them in this division. Should I be? I, I think you do look at the talent here and you look at the talent in Carolina and you say, what's kind of missing from these teams? And I think with Carolina, there's some doubt there with Cam Newton, the health, and we have to see it to believe it. With Atlanta, you don't have that issue. Matt Ryan is playing at a high level. He's very durable at this point. The question is, what is Dirk Cutter going to do with his offense? Because 
this is a team I think that needs to run the ball better. Dirk Cutter's offenses simply do not run the ball well and help uh, their defense that much. So is there going to be a lot of Matt Ryan to throw for 5,000 yards and 35 touchdowns to carry his team? Or are some of the things in the defense that have looked good, but Dan Quinn hasn't been able to put together, does his play calling really help that uh, reach its potential? So I think that's the biggest question mark me are the Falcons with all these good players on defense like Deion Jones uh, Ricardo Allen these guys coming back from injury Keanu Neal are they going to live up to what they should be and I think the problem is there has been not getting the pass rush they've wanted they've invested a lot in the pass rush the returns are not there and when you look at this division you have a lot of teams that can pass the ball I think that's where the difference is with the Saints you have Cameron Jordan setting the uh, front there the Panthers are changing their front a little bit. So you have that established front that you like for the Saints, and I think that kind of separates them right now from the Falcons and the Panthers. And not a lot of people are talking about Tampa Bay, but I watched the rise from the ashes very quickly with Bruce Arians in Arizona. Could maybe surprisingly something quickly like that happen in Tampa? I could see this offense being highly competitive, but they have a lot of pieces there with uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. I think they'll fix Jameis Winston and make him a lot more efficient than we've seen. So I think they're going to put up a lot of points. My concern with Tampa is just going to be, can they stop anyone at this point? I think I like the Devin White draft pick. I did like some of the things they did with Jason Pierre-Paul, but these guys could be on an island. You lost Gerald McCoy, a linchpin in the middle of your defense. So I'm just concerned that the Bucks are going to be in a lot of games where it's a uh, 35-34, and when I look at the Falcons and Panthers and Saints and their offensive potential, I, I don't see how the Bucks are going to hold these teams down when it, when it counts in their matchups this season. He's Vinny Iyer, NFL writer for the Sporting News. Find his work every day there. He's also one of the hosts of the Locked On Network's Fantasy Football Podcast. Check that out uh, during the season every week. Vinny, always appreciate chatting, man. We'll do it again soon. All right, thanks for having me. You bet. There he goes. When we come back, now I want to get your take, all of our listeners. You heard Vinny. You heard me there discuss it. Who is your biggest concern as a challenger to the Saints in the NFC? 504-260-1870. That's the phone number. 504-260-1870. And, of course, you can text us at 870-870. We'll discuss that when we come back on the last lap. Text line as well, 870-870. Here's a text from the 985. I said the Falcons with Vinny Iyer. I'm prefacing before I read this text. And my vote right now would probably go to the Falcons. A couple of reasons. Number one, unless your name is the New England Patriots, you don't get back to Super Bowls after you have lost them. It hasn't happened, if you're not New England, since um, the Buffalo Bills in the 90s. The Rams may do that. They're very talented. But because of the familiarity in the division with Atlanta, they had a little extra time. They didn't make the playoffs last year. So a little maybe fresher bodies this time of year. The familiarity with the Saints, they've got a Super Bowl uh, a quarterback, a quarterback who's made a Super Bowl and made runs in the playoffs. Same thing with Coach Dan Quinn, one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. And they got a lot of talent that's back on that defensive side. I'd probably say Atlanta. Texter from the 985 agreeing with me. Seth, you're absolutely right about the Falcons. Drew Brees may be the Saints' version of Superman, but Deion Jones, one of those guys who's back, has surely shown to be his kryptonite. Stats don't lie. Multiple picks, two pick sixes, sacks, fast enough to cover Kamara. I like Von Bell a lot, but I think the Saints will forever regret not picking Deion Jones over Von Bell. Well, I love Deion Jones also. I hey, Look, we like to hand on the Falcons, this part of the country, 
But I will tell you, I love the defense that they have built. It's a guy who loves defensive-minded professional football. I love what Dan Quinn has built there. And I won't let just my St. Homerism here jade me from appreciating that. 504-260-1870. Joe in Uptown, what do you say, man? I'm going to give you my prediction for the whole NFC. The title game is going to be the Saints and Chicago. Atlanta's not going to make the playoffs. Uh, Chicago's going to win a division. Minnesota's going to be on their heels. And then the uh, West, I'm going to be a real wild card. Seattle, you can't keep keep, uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll out. They're going to win the division with the Rams being a wild card. And then the East, it's going to be Philadelphia. Wow, that's that's good stuff, Joe. That's great stuff. That was a great call. He gave us everything there. Uh, I will say with the North, Chicago under the radar, just like they were last year. Nobody's paying attention to them. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are ready to truly contend. I don't. I don't. I'm not on this Packers bandwagon again. They missed the playoffs the last two years in this stacked NFC. I'm with you, Joe. I don't think they make the playoffs this year. I like the Eagles a lot. I like the Falcons in the West. I still like the Rams. And the news today that the Seahawks lost Jaron Reed for the first six games of the year, that's big and might tilt that slightly to the Rams in my favor. But I'm with you. Remember, Seattle has only missed the playoffs once with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. And they're going to be better on paper than they were last year. They're just flat out going to be better than they were last year when they won 10 games and made the playoffs and got within a score of beating Dallas in that opening round on the road. I think Seattle, if not in the playoffs, they'll be right there fighting for a spot week 16-17. Good call. Let's go to Derek. Derek and Gonzalez, what's going on? Hey, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good. Hey, I got one little thing to say. Let me tell you something. I know I'm being a homer when I say this, but everybody tell me every year I hear NFL Network talking about how great the Falcons going to be and they're going to rise up. When are they going to rise up? They're never going to rise up because they still haven't got over that fatal accident in Houston when they got hit by that big red and white semi with number 12 on the side of it. <laughs> I'm with, Derek, uh, look, I might be with you there. Uh, so your biggest challenger, say that. Who's your biggest challenger to them? Say this again. The Saints. I say, uh, me, I probably pick, I would say maybe either Chicago or you better watch out for Minnesota too. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Any team with a great defense come that time of year, I love. And those are two teams with good to great defenses that you just mentioned. I know we live in an NFL, an era where you see 50% turnover in the playoffs from season to season on average. It varies from year to year, of course, but on average. But this field that made the NFC playoffs last year, I think it's going to be really similar. I do. Saints, Eagles, Cowboys, Chicago, Rams, Seattle. Man, I like the Vikings. The Cowboys, if Ezekiel Elliott continues his holdout, can they repeat what they did last year? I don't know. We'll see. Let's go to Pierre in Chile Gentilly. Pierre, what's going on? What's going on? Said, how you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm really good. Um, the team I was thinking about this uh same thing this morning. I think the team that can challenge in the South, the Saints, has gotta be Atlanta. Yeah. Gotta be Atlanta. Yeah, you're with me, right? That def- that defense worries me, Pierre. And also, I think the team that uh, scares everybody in the whole of the NFC, maybe the league, has got to be Chicago. 
I've, so we've had three callers here, Pierre. All three of them have said Chicago. And Vinny Iyer and I have Sporting News, top of the hour. We didn't talk about Chicago. But you're on this Chicago Mitch Trubisky bandwagon, huh? I just like Khalil Mack, man. And I think if Mitch, if Mitch Trubisky could uh, just be a serviceable quarterback, that's going to be a scary, team, a scary team. Yeah, well, here, here you go, Pierre, because they were a field goal away. They make a field goal. They're playing in the second round of the playoffs. And I don't think they're going to be any worse than they were last year. But now here's the difference with Chicago. They're playing in a first-place schedule. So that means they get the Saints and the Rams and the Cowboys, although maybe playing the Cowboys instead of the Eagles, um, probably beneficial in that first-place schedule. Teams like, you know, uh, the second-place teams, you got to play the Eagles instead of the Cowboys. I think the Eagles are going to be better out there in the West. Also, second-place schedule, you get the Vikings Instead of, instead of the Bears. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. That's also a really tough division. Worst team in that division in the North is Detroit, and I think Detroit's going to be pretty darn good. I don't think they're going to be playoff good, but when I say good, I think they're a 7-9-plus and nine plus team. I don't know if anybody in that division wins less than seven games. It's sneaky, and I'm not on this, but if you go read some of the national people, who uh, national NFL reporters and columnists, they're kind of on this Detroit as a dark horse, not contender, but a dark horse playoff team in the north. They really like what Matt Patricia's doing in year two, constructing that team like Bill Belichick and he did in New England. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 87870. 60-second news break. Then we're going to transition to a little LSU talk. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf's jersey is going to be retired. Dale Brown joins the show. So LSU, big announcement this morning when they told their fan base and the world that they will finally, finally retire the jersey of men's basketball All-American Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. It's known as Chris Jackson when he was in college, changed his name when he went to the NBA, but he was a two-time All-American and still to this day scored more points on average per game in his freshman year than anybody in college basketball history. 30.2 points per game. And you know, I had uh, Scott Alexander on the show last week, and we kind of knew this was coming down. We couldn't talk about it because we were embargoed. kind of knew this was coming down. And we got to talking about Chris Jackson a lot. And he was saying, you know, maybe a little bit like Steph Curry before there was Steph Curry in the NBA that kind of shooting skills. His freshman year, he thought shot 39% from three. Senior year, he was 91% from the free throw line. And it was actually, it was odd. He was actually a little bit better his freshman year than he was his sophomore year. Points per game took a little bit of a hit down from 30.2 to 27.8. But anybody who watched Chris Jackson play in person, and I did not in person, will tell you one of the best bas college basketball players to ever play. Not one of the best LSU basketball players to ever don that uniform. One of the best college basketball players in history. And I've talked to a lot of people, and every time I bring up um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, they tell me the same thing. Absolutely sensational. Sensational. Now, he will join some other guys who have their jerseys retired. It's number 35 that Abdul Raouf wore in college. Uh, Bob Pettit will be up there in the rafters. Already is. Pete Maravich, Rudy Macklin, and, of course, Shaquille O'Neal. Abdul Raouf's a native of Gulfport, Mississippi, 14th LSU athlete or coach to have his or her jersey retired. Um, and that's in, in all sports. And it was a unanimous decision by uh, the board that voted him in. And there was uh, the last 
really a couple of decades, LSU had had this policy in place where he had to be a graduate of LSU um, to get your jersey retired. And, uh, well, now that's changed and because uh, he did not have that degree before. And now uh, it doesn't matter because we're going to see that jersey hanging up at the female. This is a long time coming. I'm, I'm, it just is. As one of the best basketball players, period, ever in college, I mean, how could you not have this guy's jersey up there hanging? So when you go watch LSU basketball and Will Wade's squad play a couple of times a week in the winter and on into the spring, hopefully, uh, you see this guy up there. Much deserved. We're going to take a break. When we come back, you're going to want to stay tuned for this. Dale Brown, legendary LSU basketball coach, and I, we had a chance to sit down and, and talk about Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf and the jersey retirements. He will finally have his jersey retired and hanging in the rafters at the Pete Maravich Center. Now, people have been clamoring for this for years. There was a rule that LSU couldn't have your jersey retired uh, unless you were a graduate of the university. Um, Abdul-Raouf was not, but unanimously, the Board of Regents at LSU, they have decided to approve the jersey retirement of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Now, he had an incredible career. We all know that at LSU. A couple of seasons there, back-to-back All-Americans. His freshman year, he averaged 30.2 points a game. It's still the only freshman in NCAA history to average more than 30 points a game. And frankly, that probably is a record that's not going to be broken, uh, I wouldn't think. One of the best shooters in college basketball history. Um, and still going strong. He's playing in that big three league. We're seeing him now in the summer. And is still going. Is he, what, is he 50 years old now? I tell you, he could, yeah, he could still ball. There's no doubt about that. So as we await the jersey retirement, it's going to happen this fall in a Basketball game yet to be announced at the Pete Maravich Center. So I don't know when that's going to happen. It's going to be this fall. But wanted to bring on in his former coach, the legendary LSU basketball coach, Dale Brown, who coached the Tigers from 1972 to 1997. He saw a lot of these great players that came through the campus and came through the program, certainly Shaquille O'Neal and also Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Coach, how you doing? Seth, I have no complaints. That's a goliath. I'd like to see the country in better shape, but... <laughs> I don't want to depress people. Yeah, right. Don't depress us any more than we already have been here, no doubt about That's it. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, what have you been up to, Coach, uh, recently? How's the summer going? Well, I still do a lot of uh, public speaking, motivational speaking, and uh, keeps me busy. And uh, Calm down the schedule a lot. Uh, stay home more, read, relax, uh, take some time. But I don't want to become totally inactive and become a, a, an amoeba under a microscope. No, but you're supposed to calm down a little bit, right? This is this is what that's, uh, true. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, so we just mentioned before uh, you came on that LSU is finally, and we say finally, we've been talking about this for a long time, going to retire the jersey of men's basketball All-American Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And you coach this guy. I know you've spoken a lot about him over the years and just how much respect you have for him. Coach, this is a moment long time coming. I am elated by it, Seth, for a combination of reasons. If anybody would have seen the poverty he grew up in, Gulfport, Mississippi, had never met his father, had a great high school coach, Bert Jenkins and Lil, who put him under their wing. Um, he came here under quite unusual situations. Everybody in the country wanted him. And we knew he was very interested in coming, but his mother would not sign the National Letter of Intent. So one day he contacted a high school friend, he drove him. He didn't have a car, of course. He drove him, his friend, to Baton Rouge, and he signed at LSU. Now, the national letter never was signed by his mother, so it was invalid. He could have left any time, but he didn't. 
as I saw him develop, he, first of all, you don't, you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure this out. He is one of the nicest young men I've ever met in my life. His talent was, I thought, unlimited. In fact, he became so good. Now when we look, look at this, Steph Curry, he was Steph Curry before Steph Curry was Steph Curry. He was always humble. And now for him to join this select group, and you know all the great players in the history of LSU, and when you look at it and realize, Seth, that only five players have their jerseys retired. Now these five, I think, could take on anybody in the country. Bob Pettit, Pete Maravich, Rudy Macklin, Shaquille O'Neal, and now Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. And uh, his career, I think a lot of people really have kind of, underestimated he's the only the second freshman ever in the history of college basketball to make the associated press first team all-american was on the cover of sports illustrated and still today all these years later the many years he left he's the leading scorer in the history of college basketball for a freshman now there's another guy you might have heard of him he led the sophomore junior and senior year pistol pete maravich which is kind of unique um Unique the fact that the two leading scorers in the history of basketball in all, all four age groups, class groups, are LSU guys. Now, the many accolades he won, probably his greatest accolade was overcoming, fighting constantly Tourette syndrome. Now, if you're not familiar with Tourette syndrome, it's a neurological disorder, and people do different things. They have to repeat things. They go, no more, no more, no more. They'll pat themselves on the leg. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they'll bark. For him to do that is a they should, they should have a statue that at the Tourette um, Syndrome Society for him what he did. In fact, I think there was a baseball player. And I can't think of any other players that had severe infliction of Tourette Syndrome that became great athletes. So he's a unique guy. He's sensitive. He's gentle. He's kind. He's loving. I watched him the other night. Holy mackerel! In that three on three ball. He's, he's, he's faster than a speeding bullet, so it's a great honor for him, and I'm just elated for him. It's uh, kind words, great words from you talking to Coach uh, Dale Brown about the induction, or I guess uh, the retirement of the jersey of uh, Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf at LSU. I think we've been talking about this for many years. It's a long time coming. Coach, you mentioned it there. Not just one of the best players that you've ever coached, but one of the best college basketball players of all time. No question. Um he, uh, he was easy. I don't remember one, two years, I don't remember one incident, not one situation where he caused any problems at all. He never missed class. He was always yes, sir, no, sir. He was always on time. In fact, on time, he was usually there an hour ahead of time. He also would get the keys in late at night. He'd go shoot for hours and hours and hours. He had a great work ethic, never felt sorry for himself, never complained, never had a negative thought. And I think what hurt him desperately in the NBA, he was a devout Christian. He had that Bible down. He had it underlined, took it on the road. Uh, just a, a good, good guy. Um, I called the head coach and the owner of the team, who uh, I hadn't met, but I had met the head coach, and told him, that's the kind of guy he is. I said, all you have to do is put your armor on him. People with Tourette syndrome are very sensitive, so they get nervous real easy. So if he does something wrong or he doesn't follow instruction properly, he's not playing, just go put your arm around him, and he'll be fine. Just tell him you love him. This is what we, this is what we have to change. Well, I can't remember how far into the season it was, 
But I got a call, and I don't remember the man's name. I wish I did. But I do remember the newspaper, the Rocky Mountain News. And he said, uh, Coach Brown, he said, uh, I wonder if you could make a comment about what the general manager said. Now, they had sold the team. And the, the coach and the owner of the team that I had called, they were no longer there. So this was a whole new group. He said, uh, would you like to make a comment about the general manager said about your former player? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, he said, Let me read it to you. He said, here's his exact quote. Chris Jackson better, better, better pick up a basketball and put down the Bible if he's going to make it in the NBA. He said, how do you reply to that? I pondered it for a moment, and I said, well, my reply was said years ago. Mahatma Gandhi, I said, very seldom had any contact with the Western media. But he did this one particular occasion, do an interview. And the very first question the guy asked him was this. Mahatma Gandhi, what do you think of Christianity? Gandhi, without even pondering it, said almost immediately, oh, I think it's really a great religion. And there probably would be more Christians if it wasn't for some of the Christians. So he went through so many battles that nobody knows about. And then the, 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 the unfair uh, criticizing of him of what his heart really meant regarding the flag. You talk to him, he hasn't got a mean or negative or sour bone in his body. That all came out so anti, and people held it against him for years, but he never complained about it, he never whined about it, never, 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 you know, oh, poor, poor, poor little me. He had a tough, tough life, and he's a great guy, and a great, great player, a great human being. He's been a great father to his children. Well, he still is a great guy. He still is an advocate, just like he was before. As you mentioned, he's the only freshman still to score 30-plus points a game in college basketball. Coach, do you have a moment when you recognize that um, Abdul Raouf, then Chris Jackson, would be the player that he turned into, whether it was when he was you watched him when he was playing high school ball or maybe when he stepped on campus? Was there a moment when you said, oh, boy, this player's going to be special? That moment, I think, happened. It was the first game we played home, and the media requested – and I don't, I don't know if it was media or General Kent Lowe that wanted him there, but I was instructed to bring him to the media, to the conference. We go there, and the first question he was asked, well, Chris, I don't, don't remember who it was, uh, I bet you're, uh, how do you feel about coming in here first game on this Pete Maravich court and you scored 13 points? How do you feel about that? Oh, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really content. He said, I never dreamed I'd be able to come in and do that right away. I was going to get my feet on the ground. So as we're walking back to the dressing room, I put my arm around him, and I said, Chris, don't ever make that statement again. I don't remember my exact words, but I said, let me tell you how good you are. I said, you can get 50 about any night that you'd want to turn yourself loose. I don't want to put a bit in your mouth. So if there's times you have to break away from the offense because of your quickness, I said, you go ahead and do it. And don't look over to me to look if it's a bad shot. You're an unselfish person. The next game... I think of the first fact, I think his first road game, if memory serves me right, in the SEC was at Florida. And you're, you're, you may have this better than I said. Didn't he get like 53 points against them? Yeah, yeah. I've heard, yes, yeah. So he had a few 50-point games, and he, and he wasn't a selfish guy. I'd have to tell him, shoot, to get us back in this ball game. Um, and th then when you think of the magnitude of the fact that as a freshman, no one's ever done it. 30.2 points a game as a freshman, and no one's broken it all these years. And I doubt if it will be broken. 
It's incredible. It's incredible. And uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf will be retired. His jersey will be retired in a game day ceremony during this upcoming basketball season at the Pete Maravich Center. And Coach Dale Brown, I know you will be in attendance, and, and so will we. It's going to be a very special moment. And, and people have told me uh, since I got here about a decade ago, that this was the best basketball player, college basketball player that they've ever seen, and uh, they've been clamoring for this for a long time. Coach, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day uh, to talk Seth, about I, the former Thank you for calling. I'll make one final comment if I can. Sure. I can tell you his emotions. First two emotions he's going to have are these. Eternal gratitude, and two, he's going to be embarrassed. He's, he's just <laughs> going to be embarrassed. There's, there's no narcissism in him. I wish, we could, I wish we could inject that into a few of our politicians. Oh, but, man. Seth, thank you for your time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, yeah, it's going to be uh, incredible to watch him kind of uh, deal with that situation, the spotlight on him, no doubt. Coach, Coach, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you. We'll see you this fall. Okay, Seth. Take care. So many memories of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf on campus. Again, uh, back-to-back All-American, 30.2 points a game in his freshman year, 91% free throw shooter, and kind of as Dale Brown said there, Steph Curry, maybe a little bit before there was a Steph Curry. He was incredible, one of the five best players in LSU basketball history, and fittingly going to be one of the five retired jerseys hanging up in the PMAC come this fall. Don't know which date, which game they will have that ceremony in. That'll be announced a little bit later when they finalize their schedule. What are your memories of... Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Give us a call, 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. Long time coming for him. We'll be back after this on The Last Lap. I call him legendary. I think most people would call him legendary. A texter saying, how is he a legend never won any championships? You don't have to win a championship, especially in college basketball of all sports, to consider yourself legendary to the school that you coach. I don't think there are many, if any, LSU supporters basketball supporters that would not classify dale brown as a legendary coach on that campus text from the 504 i hope they retire his jersey as chris jackson that's what um his name was when he played at lsu yeah it was but i i'll be honest i hope that they don't i hope that they don't he changed his name he wants to be called by mahmoud abdul rauf and honoring that I certainly hope and I assume that LSU will and put that jersey up in the rafters, but maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Jackson, uh, formerly Jackson, now Abdul Aruf, would be okay with it. I'd have to ask him. That's the question that I have not asked. Certainly, we hope we can talk to him as we get closer to the moment. Just remember, we don't know exactly the date where that jersey will be retired. It'll just be at a game to be determined later this fall. Lots of LSU news to get to. And something that kind of broke local Twitter today was LSU football's new locker rooms, space age locker rooms. They have pods where you can lay down and sleep. These are by every indication, the best locker rooms in college football. Now LSU players tweeting about it all day long. We saw the LSU athletic department posting videos and stories about it all day long, including Cordy Worsham, who is going to be joining the show next hour to talk about it. But, but, As LSU continues this arms race with their football facilities and really all of their sports facilities, it happens all the time, where there's an imbalance between the money from boosters and athletic supporters and really just money flowing into the athletic department at certain universities, LSU is one of them, compared to the money that goes to the academic side of the institution. This is a really tough conversation for me to have. It really is. 
because when you talk about, well, all this money that is being spent on things like this new locker room, the upgrades to the locker room, that came from donations and TAF. And also, a lot of the money that pours in to upgrade the stadium, well, that comes from football revenue and athletic department revenue. However, this is one institution. And just like the government or any corporation, when one part of your institution is failing or needs help, the other parts of that institution sometimes should step up in a big way. Now, LSU supporters will tell you, and LSU people inside the LSU Athletic Department will tell you correctly and absolutely correctly that, well, the athletic department is one of the few in the country that make a profit and a big enough profit where they're giving back to the university every single year, some of those profits, and that's absolutely true. Now, this happened where an LSU professor... Um, quote tweeted a story about these new facilities and, and talked about, well, he's still having a vacuum his office with a personal vacuum that he bought from uh, one of the uh, local slot, uh, shopping centers. So, well, that, that's just not right for an institution who's supposed to be a world-class academic institution. Frankly, he's right. He's right. And here's what I didn't like, even though that I, I, don't, I don't see anything intrinsically wrong on its face for LSU spending this much money on their uh, the football facilities, if those boosters are willing to pay it. I mean, spend your money where you want to. I'm not going to be somebody who tells you otherwise, and I'm talking about the boosters who want to pay for something like this. Absolutely. But then we had football players, in my mind, Joe Burrow, one of them, crossing the line and tweeting back at that professor, insinuating that, well, the academic side of LSU shouldn't share in any of the – I guess the spoils of what the football program is bringing in. And that is highly, highly problematic to me. And I think LSU football players stepped in it a little bit today. Joe Burrow even deleted that tweet. So coming up next hour, I want to talk about this. First of all, we'll get to the good stuff with the locker room with Cody Worsham. But then we'll have a conversation about, well, is it right? Is LSU failing in its core values here? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.